Welcome to Pursuit of Justice. I'm Lise Wheel. When you think about the pursuit of justice and you think about sort of the 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 down and dirty, the worst kind of th- things that uh, somebody can do, it is child molestation, the the child predators that are out there. And then you think about the best white hat guys and gals that are out there in in, in the FBI. Uh, doing just God's work, and they are the people that are finding those pedophiles, those child predators. And with me today on the pursuit of justice, I have one of those, I believe, one of those heroes, uh, Jeff Reinick. Um, you're one of them. You've been with the FBI 30 years doing this work. You are a certified profiler. You've been hunting down child predators for 30 years, and I got to tell you, that must be the one of the hardest jobs in the whole wide world. But I think, you know, I will say for myself and for everybody else, thank God that you're out there doing it. And welcome to the show. Um, you've got a book out called In the Name of the Children, and I have read it, and it is it's a hard book to get through because when you say it's titled in the name of the children and your chapters are names of children and they're names of children that are no longer with us, um, t- names of children that you've gone through and uh, gotten confessions from, in a lot of cases, from their killers. And I'll, I want to go through in more detail about how you when it did that. There's a lot of uh, uh, very interesting ways um, that you did that. A very interesting, uh, you know, really tactics you did in getting in, in in getting these confessions from horrible pedophiles and fascinating ways that you did that. But before we do that, I want to get kind of into sort of the major news story of the day, which is Elizabeth Smart. We all remember her, Elizabeth Smart. She was kidnapped at age fourteen, horribly raped and abused and 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 just tortured. Um, and not just by the man that did it. There was a woman there. And that woman was put away and went to prison. And now, really by a screw-up from the parole board, she's going to be released. Elizabeth Smart's torturer is going to be released. One of them, the woman that was just side-by watching what was happening. Elizabeth Smart, in an interview that I saw today, said the woman was just sitting there. You know, her, could, she could feel her touching her, her Elizabeth Smart's body while she was being raped by this horrible, you know, predator. Um, Jeffrey, what do you feel about the fact that this woman is now, Elizabeth Smart's, one of her tormentors is going to be released um, from prison? I am 100% against her release. And I think that her release is not only a miscarriage of justice, but... Even beyond that, I believe it puts society at risk. How so? Well, if you look at the motivational aspects of the partner of these people, this is a woman who was completely dominated and completely gave herself to the offender who took Elizabeth and did what he did. And what's really important for society to realize about her is that she, in my opinion, has no sense of self-value. Her sense of value comes from 
the person or person she's with. As soon as she hooks up with another guy, she's going to do the mm. same thing. And she's prone to this because of her background and experience. And I think it's like putting not necessarily the actual bomb out there, but it's, it's putting the mixture that makes the bomb more dangerous. And even though even though she it, it's a little bit more nuanced than saying pedophiles can't be rehabilitated because we can talk about that right pedophiles we I think would both agree that pedophiles fall in a certain box of saying that you know really pedophiles cannot be rehabilitated so if we start from that same agreement the pedophiles can't be rehabilitated then those that are with the pedophiles that are sort of you know co co-conspirators with the pedophiles which is this in this case are we saying that as well yes she's completely dependent if, if you consider the pedophile or pedophile as some people like to call them as the person who is engaging in the fantasy that fantasy is going to include a partner helping him carry this out. And that's who she is. And that doesn't mean she's just going to do this for one person and be done with it. She'll do it for whoever she's tied up with and for whomever she is seeking approval for herself. So once she crossed that line, it's it's over. In her, it, 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 you never come back from that cro- crossing that line of, of child pedophilia. I I believe yes. As you're addressing child pedophilia, I believe that there's no known therapy. And the materials I've read and my personal experience is that the only people who seem to able to function in society are the ones that make a 100% commitment not to allow themselves to be in situations where they could be tempted. As it applies to Wanda, for instance, she is, I think, as dangerous, if not more dangerous, because she is going to be a partner for whatever person wants to use her, not only in a sex offense, but in any kind of offense. She does not have an appreciation of right or wrong, not in the legal sense, but I mean, for her own benefit and her own seeking for self-approval, she'll do anything to feel as if she gets that approval. So does Elizabeth Smart is is correct in feeling worried, not only for herself, but for society in general? Uh, yes, I, I believe with Elizabeth Smart 100%. And, you know, one of the things I think it's important to remember, I, I myself dealt with a, a case that was similar to this. And even with the two subjects in jail for the rest of their life, they still have control over the female partner. And she still carries forward their philosophy of life, which in this case is the training and use of child children for sexual purposes so not only is she a threat to society by virtue of her own susceptibility to being used but she's very much still under the influence of what she was doing 
All right. Um, let's talk about let's talk about you and 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 uh, your writing of this this incredible book on, in the name of the children. I mean, this is really you're putting together of 30 years of your investigations involving crimes against children. Um, first of all, I want to I want to say that um, with us today, it's not just we don't just have Jeffrey. We have your wife, Lori. Hi, Lori. Hi, I'm so glad that you're able to join us because um, this process of having a husband who is investigating crimes against children um, from stranger abduction to serial homicides um, over a span of 30 years, this must have been this must have been tough on you as a you know as a wife watching your husband doing this. I would think it was just this isn't just a, a quote unquote normal job and it must have had some impact on, on the family. Oh, definitely. It was it was very difficult. Um, it's very painful to see what he had to go through and, and dealing with the, the cases that he dealt with. But you can't help but bring it home. And uh, we like to say he kind of he suffered a successful career. He's very good at what he did. But along with that comes a lot of suffering. And we're very close as a family. And um, we're we're partners, Jeff and I. And he, we would talk a lot, and um, yeah, it was very, very difficult. What do you mean he suffered a, a successful career? What do you mean by that? Well, he was very, he, was, he had a passion, and he'll probably talk about that. Our, our older son was ill uh, when we moved to Sacramento, and, and um, it kind of brought about a feeling of wanting to, to help these victims and uh, turned into uh, cold cases uh, and working um, child victimization, and but he was very successful. And I think you mentioned in the beginning of the broadcast about he was very successful in getting confessions. He was very successful in talking to the victim children themselves. But um, so he, you know, that that was his success. But the suffering that comes with that emotionally um, is very very difficult. And, and you as a family, or you as his wife, sort of bore the brunt of that? Uh, yes, because uh, we're, we, we just always, uh, he wasn't an FBI agent that um, kept everything to himself. He, we always talked about everything, all his cases, and, um, and the emotional toll it took. Um, I couldn't help but see it, being his wife and being so close to him. We're very, very close. Right. What What was the, if you had to say, what was the hardest case or um, the best case, I, I guess? Uh, I, I, it's hard. I don't think, um, you, especially Jeff doesn't like to go there. All the cases were really, really difficult. I, I think um, one of the first ones uh, um, that he met in the book is Michael, and that was, a very, very brutal, brutal murder of a child who was actually the same age as one of our sons, and it was it was a, a young boy, and that one was very, very difficult emotionally. Not that they all aren't, but that was one of the first ones he worked on, and it was such a brutal case that uh, it is in his memory today. He still has nightmares on it about it. Jeffrey, I, I know in the FBI, because I know from my dad, um, you get transferred around a lot. I mean, both 
both from places, um, but also you can change. Uh, uh, you can change. You know, you, you can change what uh, assignments you get. I mean, couldn't you have transferred out of, of the child? Um, you know, the child predator area, if, if that's what you wanted, or did you, you really want to, you really enjoyed doing this? You really felt like this was your, your calling? You know, when you say enjoyed, I don't know I could say enjoy. I felt, I felt special about it. When my own son was sick, the thought and, and scenes of the children suffering was something that I could never get away from. And the thought of a child suffering at the hands of a stranger who means them hard was almost an obsessive thing with me. And as time went by and I became more successful, I, I enjoyed being needed and I enjoyed um, the success. I, I really enjoyed the camaraderie and the collaboration that we in law enforcement have. Uh, people don't see that part of us where we are trying to console each other from the brutality of a crime and, and we help each other get through these things when our families aren't with us. Right, 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 right. No, no, I, no, I know that. I've seen, I you mean, know, I, I was a, a prosecutor as, as well. And, and, um, so I, I know firsthand, firsthand, I want to talk about a couple specific things. You talk about uh, getting confessions or having uh, trying to get confessions by talking to uh, people that you're interviewing about writing letters of apologies to their victims. I found that so interesting. Um, you did that with um, the Yosemite case. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about the letter of apology and maybe some specifics about that. It's fascinating. I'd love to. The first experience I had with the child abduction was actually the second chapter in the book that starts with Frankie. And in that instance, I worked with a Sacramento police detective named Greg Stewart, who was just amazing. And I had the honor of working at his side. And when he got the confession from the woman who abducted the child, at the end of the confession, he asked her to write a letter of apology, which she did. And I thought it was such a unique and unbelievably simple idea that was so, had so much impact that I adopted it for myself. And what I learned from doing letters of apology is that you never fail to learn something in the letter that you missed in the interview. It reaffirms your suspicion of what the motive is for the crime. And it also reveals how the offender felt about the victim. And I think those things are not only very important for the purposes of the interview, but they're also very important for purposes of prosecution. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's great for the prosecutor to have that, right? And did you see the, did you yeah. see those letters of apologies admitted into the courtroom? Oh, yeah, yes. In uh, the case, for instance, with Kerry Stainer, the Yosemite killer, uh, he wrote a letter. Now, he had four victims. Right. And when I asked him to write a letter of apology, he only was willing to write a letter of apology to one victim. And it was consistent with the interview in that he, he believed he developed strong emotional feelings for one of the victims. And that feeling was exemplified by his willingness 
to write that victim a letter of apology. But even the letter of apology was self-centered in, in the sense that it talked about his life and how his life was affected by what he had done to her life. So, so wait a second. So his apology, so he picked out one victim of four and wrote her an apology letter because, because why again? Well, this is where we're getting into the, the <laughs> thick of it, but uh, Kerry Stanner, when he abducted and murdered his first three victims. And, and again, we're talking about, again, we're talking about what was, what came to be known as the Yosemite murders or the Yosemite killings, Yosemite Park murders um, that happened in, I believe it was 1999, correct? Right. Correct. Correct. 1999. Yeah. Okay. So that's what it was known as. Okay. Yeah. And we, and Carrie Stainer was the person that, that, you know, committed the murders and Jeffrey got the surprising confession. So, okay. I'm just setting the scene a little bit more. Okay. So it's Jeffrey. So the, yeah, the apology, the apology to one victim. So go on, please. The three victims were Carol's son, her daughter, Julie, and their friend from Argentina named Silvina Peloso. And when it came time for writing the letter of apology, Carrie wrote it only to Julie's son. And in my opinion, the reason he did that was because he had spent the most time with Julie and he was not capable of full sexual assault because he was not fully functional. But Julie, uh, did exactly what he told her to do and and she was patient and persistent julie's son is what i would define as a hero because she did what she had to do to get through that not only for herself but for her mother and friend who she did not know had already been killed and because she was so cooperative with him he wanted to believe that she felt for him, that there was an emotional binding, if you will, and that in a different situation, they may have ended up together, which we both know is not going to happen. But that is the how good she was about getting through this and not putting her mother and friend at risk. Oh, wow. And so the letter of apology that he wrote basically concerned his feelings for her. He also included what he had done uh, with her and that uh, it was something that was composed of love, if you will. In his confession, he said that he loved her and wished he could be with her. And his letter of apology reflected those feelings. But his letter of apology also contained what was in his life. Mm -hmm. One way you can see almost the wording of the letter of apology is if you look at his allocution to his federal charge, his allocution is almost verbatim, his letter of apology. Right. What, then that's what he said, that he said what he, he did uh, when he stands yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So the prosecutor basically just took that letter of apology and said, OK, court, this is what he's going to say that he said he did because he put it in a letter of apology. And, and what is the confirmation bias? What does what does that mean that 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 also apply to the Yosemite murders? Well, 
for me, the confirmation it offers is literally the confirmation of the act that he did. Now, because he only addressed the letter to one person, the acts he described were only towards that one person. But the letter and what he said in the letter allowed us to confirm the details of his descriptions in killing the other women. Okay, so that's what that that, that was. Um, you say that um, that's sort of what, what you, you amazing ability to get these confessions from from the predators, the victims. You you stayed in touch with some of the victims. Yes, we're actually Lori and I are in contact with many of the victims. In one instance, in the chapter called the Twenty Two, we uh, attended. We've attended their graduations from school, their weddings, their one-year birthdays of their children. Um, in one instance, we attended a wedding where virtually the entire wedding party were the victims um, of that case. But two of the victims had been too young for me to meet. The parents had fled to Iowa, taking the two young victims with him. When we arranged to have them arrested in Iowa, we also arranged for the two victims to be removed. And I got to meet them at this wedding, which was, it's gotta be, I don't know, 12, 13 years later. And uh, one girl who actually wrote an Amazon review for the book, a positive, a very positive one. Um, when she uh, realized who I was, she just grabbed onto me and started crying. And I started crying and she just gripped me as tight as she could for, it was quite a long while. So, so Lori, that's, those are the nice parts of, of this job, right? I mean, that's, that's what the good stuff comes out. Yes, very rewarding. Right. Um, so, uh, Jeff, I mean, we kind of started with, with Elizabeth Smart, and I sort of want to um, wrap a little bit with, with kind of hitting on, the, on this topic that is, that is controversial, but I think we're saying, singing from the same hymnal, which is that I think you and I would agree that once a person has crossed the line into, into pedophilia, they never come back. I mean, I believe that bank robbers can be rehabilitated. You know, a lot of people commit crimes and go to prison and can be rehabilitated. I, I totally believe in that, rehabilitation for many, many crimes. But pedophilia, no. I, I really just don't think that that can happen. And do, you, do what do you think? Lisa, I, I totally agree with that. And I would also add to that sexual sadists, people who are sexually aroused by the suffering of the person they're with. Mm, okay. I'm not aware in my years of both interviewing and training and attending conferences. Uh, I'm not aware of anything that can help rehabilitate them. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I just think that's a line you cross, and it just you just never come back. I'm, I yeah doing that to a little kid yes thing. One, one of the things here in sacramento the california department of uh, corrections and rehabilitation through their paroles had a program i'm not sure if they still have it but as a condition of release 
sexual offenders had to agree to a law enforcement interview. And that consisted of them attending a meeting with as many law enforcement personnel that wanted to attend, and they could be asked anything about their crime, their motivation, things like that. They weren't going to be rearrested. They weren't going to be prosecuted. This was strictly a learning environment for us to learn from them. And it was an amazing experience because when you previously said once they go over the line, they never come back, I believe that they have these fantasies. They recognize these fantasies are criminal, and they decide at some point that they're going to commit these criminal acts to satisfy their fantasies. So I believe that these fantasies that exist within them exist way before they committed the crime. Right. And Kerry Sanders, for instance, he was willing to sacrifice his life by virtue of a confession in exchange for seeing child pornography. The, the fantasy that they have, I think, exists way before they commit the crime. And I think that's one of the dangers that child pornography poses to our society is because these people that have these fantasies, sometimes it pushes them over to commit the crime. Right. So, I mean, if we, if we, can, if we can be harder on, um, on, on child pornography, if we can, you know, shut that down more. I mean, I'm totally, completely, 110% with you, Jeff. I absolutely am. Because you're right. You have to have that fantasy. You have to be thinking through that tapes. Are, the tapes are already playing, right, before you commit the act, before you go out and buy the things you need to buy to commit the crimes. The tapes have been playing for, for a long time. It doesn't just, you don't, I don't think it just, a person just snaps and does that. I think the, the tapes have already been playing, and I think the child pornography are those tapes. Um, do you think the Salt Lake City DA will be able to keep Elizabeth Smart, a kidnapper, in jail after all? Do you think there's something that can be done? I mean, there's kind of been a public outcry now because Elizabeth Smart has been so fabulous about, you know, making us all aware of what's going on. Do you think that there's something that could be done at this 11th hour? I don't know, Lise. I, I do know that just as you were a prosecutor, that my most effective work was done when I partnered with prosecutors and we worked as a team. Right. So hopefully, I'm hoping that the investigators are putting together details from her past and from what they did and using them to give the prosecutor the tools she needs or he needs to argue that she not be released. That there's something there, something to keep her in because some, somehow there was a mistake made. Um, this woman, you know, in my estimation, should not be getting out. I mean, it's just not even a, it's not even a close call. This is just not, this is, this is just a, a travesty of justice. Um, I, I, absolutely. Um, well, all right. So more to come. Um, Jeffrey, thank you so much. So much appreciate you being here with me today. Lo love talking with you. This is a fabulous book. In the name of the children, I'm assuming you can get it on Amazon. Um, and, and anywhere you can just, you can get Jeff's book. Um, is there a, is there a website that we should be looking for you? In the name of the children.com. Oh, that's easy. In the name of the children.com. All right. Be looking for Jeffrey's book. It's really fabulous. I, 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 I enjoyed it. It's an easy read. 
Um, not easy in the sense of the material is not easy. It's tough to tough to digest just because it's hard and it it, it, it hurts your heart. But it's it's easy to read. Their chapters are the names of the children with literally the names, um, and it will grip you. You will you will just not want to put this day this down. Very well written. And Jeffrey, I, I truly enjoyed it. And um, as a daughter of an FBI agent, um, I salute you. And thank you so much for being on The Pursuit of Justice. Thank you, Lisa. It was wonderful to meet you. And thank you, Lori. Thank you for, for just standing by him and doing all the good stuff you do. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, you two. Take care. Be good. Thank you. Okay. You too. All Bye. right, everybody. Till the next time, I'm Lisa Wheel for Pursuit of Justice. Mm -hmm.